The COVAX vaccine sharing scheme. Crimes against humanity committed in Syria. An MP told to dress properly and TLDR's debut on Dutch news. This is your TLDR News Daily Briefing for Wednesday the 24th of February. In the first story today, we discuss the coronavirus vaccine sharing scheme known as COVAX. While it's being clear that wealthy nations such as the US and UK have purchased huge amounts of vaccines in order to inoculate their own populations, questions have been asked about whether it's morally right for them to do this. Few would argue that there's anything wrong at all with vaccinating those who are vulnerable to severe illnesses or deaths due to the coronavirus. But some would argue that vaccinating a healthy 20-year-old in a wealthy country is wrong when seriously vulnerable people are yet to be vaccinated in developing ones. It's for that reason that the COVAX scheme has been established. By the end of the year, it's expected that around 2 billion doses of the vaccinations will have been redistributed via the scheme, from wealthy nations to poorer ones. Additionally, it aims to provide enough vaccine doses to inoculate 20% of the population of poorer countries at no cost to their governments. This is already a big goal, but it's suggested that it needs another $20 billion in order to meet the targets it sets for 2021. The good news is that today the first doses of the vaccine have been redistributed via the scheme. In total, 600,000 doses of the AstraZeneca Oxford vaccine have arrived in Ghana due to COVAX. UNICEF, who are involved in the logistics of the rollout, have described this shipment as a momentous occasion. Hopefully, though, this is just the beginning, and we'll start to see more vaccine shipments coming all over the world to all kinds of people who need the vaccine's protection. For the second story today, we move to Germany to discuss a Syrian regime official who's been found guilty of crimes against humanity. This is in relation to the Syrian civil war, which has been ongoing since 2011. The official in question, Ayad al-Gharib, worked for the Syrian intelligence services, specifically in President Assad's prisons. He was found by the judge to have tortured inmates alongside depriving them of their liberty. As a result, he was sentenced to four years and six months imprisonment. Quite shockingly, one of the witnesses for the prosecution said that Garib is one man, but he was part of an organised machine with orders to arrest peaceful civilians, disappear them, torture them, kill them and hide their bodies in mass graves. It should be noted that the reason that Garib is tried in Germany is because he defected in 2012 and applied for German asylum. We can only hope that more war criminals like him are committed for the crimes they've convicted in relation to the Syrian civil war, and that justice continues to be served in the near future. In the final story of the Daily Briefing today, we move to the UK to discuss an MP who was barred from talking due to his outfit. The pandemic has now dominated our lives for almost a year, and in that time, we've all become accustomed to the new way of working. Largely, this means that meetings will take place via Zoom or Google Meet, and as such, many employers have relaxed their dress code, meaning that people can hop onto calls with their bosses, just wearing a jumper and some tracksuit bottoms. However, the same rules don't apply everywhere, because while MPs may attend the House of Commons chamber and debate from home, they still must abide by its dress code. Admittedly, it is a fairly unspecific dress code, but there are some hard rules. For example, jackets must be worn by men, although ties are not required. Jonathan Gullis fell foul of these rules when he tried to attend Parliament wearing a jumper. 
The Deputy Speaker, Dame Eleanor Lang, swiftly called this out. We now go to... We now go... No, I don't think we do go to Stoke-on-Trent. The, the, the Honourable Gentleman has to be dressed as if he were here in the chamber. Um, so we will not go to Stoke-on-Trent. We will go... We will try to come back to Mr Gullis in due course... Uh, but we will go now to Chesterfield. Toby Perkins. Thank you uh, very much, Madam Deputy Speaker. You will see I've got all my clothes on and I'm sure you'll be pleased to know it. But, uh, yeah, this is a really important... He then promptly went and got changed and put on a suit and tie. And at that point, he was allowed to contribute to the debate. Uh, we are now going back to Stoke-on-Trent, where I observe that the honourable gentleman is now properly dressed. Lest anyone should be confused, uh, when people are participating virtually, then they are appearing in this chamber, the Chamber of the House of Commons, and therefore it is absolutely imperative uh, that everybody taking part in these debates should be dressed in the way that they would be in the House of Commons. Jonathan Gullis. Hey, Madam Deputy Speaker, the jacket is now on. Apologies. So I want to thank the Labour Party for giving me the opportunity to outline the tens of millions. This prompts the question, though, should MPs have to dress formally even when debating virtually? Or should the rules be the same as for many businesses around the world, with their dress code loosened while at home in the pandemic? Let us know your thoughts in the comments below. One last thing before we go. We thought it was worth mentioning that TODR News is now a sensation in the Netherlands. Okay, maybe not a sensation, but we did feature on an official news report from the Dutch national broadcaster. So noemde ik net bijvoorbeeld het aantal doden per 1 miljoen inwoners. Maar ja, België telt coronaslachtoffers weer op een andere manier dan Duitsland. Does the person need to have actually tested positive for the coronavirus in order to count? Germany says yes, only counting those who die in care homes if they've officially been shown to have the virus. Bordering Belgium takes a different approach, counting those who have died without being tested if doctors believe their symptoms correlated with the virus. We don't necessarily endorse the report. I mean, we didn't understand it. It was in Dutch. And we also didn't explicitly give them permission to use the clip, but it's still pretty cool. Ultimately, this was only possible due to the phenomenal support provided to us by our amazing fans. So we'd like to take this opportunity to thank each and every one of you who watches, comments, likes and subscribes. You help gain us credibility and establish ourselves as a serious news network, or at least semi-serious. For those of you who think the news is too long, be sure to check out tomorrow's daily briefing. Read the newsletter by signing up at tldrnews.co.uk forward slash daily. Listen to the briefing by searching for TLDR News in your podcast app, or watch the briefing over at youtube.com forward slash TLDR daily.